Let me just say, I just think we are incredibly blessed with such a phenomenal music program here at First Baptist Church, both of our services. Isn't that, bless you, Lord. Wow. Turning your Bibles again to John chapter 15, we're going to be there. Uh, we're reading a section that has to do with the vine, the vine dresser, and the branches, but it really harkens back to the 14th chapter. And in chapter 14, that's when Jesus is telling, he starts, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He was telling the, the, his dear disciples that very soon he was going to die. Very soon he was going to be taken away. And so he did not want their hearts to be troubled. He wanted them to have peace. He said, peace I give you. My peace I give to you. So he wants to bestow with them peace. He says, I'm sending another comforter identical to myself to you to where I will actually be the one to come to you. So he's bringing them comfort. So he comes out of that chapter giving them comfort and then he moves into sharing this illustration, this analogy. Now this is what's so important. You always need to keep any text in context, alright? And the context is Jesus trying to bring comfort to his disciples whom he's just telling that he's going to have to leave. So keep that grounded in your, in your brain as we're going here. Now this symbol <clears throat> of the, the vine and the branches, this is something that was very common in Israel's day. They would understand a great deal more about that just in everyday language than you and I would. But one of the things that I find so important, it's so, so significant into the life of Israel that even the temple, when it was ornately uh, designed and built, especially there to the front of it, you had gold. And, and in that gold, you had the symbol and huge gold clusters of grapes. The vine would adorn all of the front of the temple and then every little, where, there'll be this huge cluster of grapes. Six feet tall clusters of grapes. All right? Solid gold. And that's because the, the vine symbolized so much in the life of Israel. So Jesus knew what he was talking about. And he was wanting to use the vine as an illustration to bring comfort to his people. Now, he said, I am the true vine. So I know it's symbolic of Israel, he's saying, but I am the true vine. I'm the one who has my roots in the Father. And then he said, the Father is the vine dresser. He's the one who cares for the vine and each and every one of the branches. And then he says, and you are the branches there in verse 5 and verse 6. So he identifies who he's talking about. The vine dresser, the father, is most interested in the productivity of his vine. Let that settle in. What the vine dresser is so concerned about is the health, the well-being, and the productivity of the vine. He wants to do everything that he can to enable the vine and the branches to grow and to grow lush and gracious fruit. Now keep this in mind because this all ties together. The passage we're reading today has good news and bad news in it, all right? <clears throat> And I want to talk about the bad news, and I want to show you how that turns into good news. All right? Let's look again at this passage. John, John chapter 15. Jesus says, I am the vine. No, no guessing what that is. And my Father is the vine dresser. No question who that is. Now look what he says in verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. So the branch is in him but is not bearing fruit. 
it says, now your Bible probably says, takes away, or something akin to that. And every branch in me that bears fruit, <clears throat> he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. I want to pause right there. Okay, here we have the situation. The vine dresser is caring for the vine. It's very important that the, that the vine produces strong branches and the branches are productive. And so we want to look at what he's saying here about what he does to the branches in order to increase their productivity. Because that's what the vine dresser is doing. He's trying to increase their productivity. And their productivity is part of what's going to bring them peace and their heart not being troubled and all of the things that he's promised in, verse, in chapter 14. Okay? Keep the whole picture in mind as we go. Now, as we read that, the first thing I see is some bad news. And it's hard to escape it. If you're not bearing fruit, the vine dresser lops you off, throws you away. If you're bearing fruit, he comes and cuts you down to the nub that you bear more fruit. Now, I don't know about you, that's not necessarily good news, all right? That's kind, of, that's kind of frightening, that's kind of distressing, because on the one hand it says, if I'm not bearing fruit, then, then I get cut off, and even if I am bearing fruit, if it's not enough to satisfy him, then I, I get whacked again. You, you see where I'm coming from, okay? Now, I want you to know that this translation comes, it's a secondary definition of the word to take away. The primary definition, I checked this again today in three or four different um, uh, uh, Greek uh, transliteration, Greek Bibles and Greek definitions. The primary definition of this word is to lift up. It is to lift up, not to take away, but to lift up, to bring up, to, to lift up. There's a secondary definition that's not even in some of those old Greek uh, uh, dictionaries that says to take away. So, you know, you can't help but wonder why did they go to a secondary definition here instead of the primary one? Right? Instead of saying lift up, that they, they said take away or, or cut off. And then you go a little further where it says, and then the one who does bear fruit, he prunes. Okay? Now this is really interesting. Because this, root, this word also, the primary definition of this word is to cleanse or to purify. Look down in the very next verse. Look down at verse 3. It says, you are also clean. That's the word. That's the same word right above that that says prune. The primary definition of this word is to cleanse, to purify. And, and, and I, I have not yet found a Greek dictionary that defines it as pruning or cutting away. And so you can't help but wonder, why, why, why have they instructed this way? So I want to say that, first of all, I want to start with the first word. The, the bad news there, where it says that it, it's cut away. He takes it away, all right? And th this, this is concerning because it's what it's telling me is that God judges my eternal existence based on whether or not I bear fruit. Now, where do we find that in the Scriptures? It's not something that's corroborated in other places in the Scriptures. It says, God has got me on a quota. 
And as long as I am producing, I get to stay in the vine. But even if I'm not, if I'm not producing up to maximum capacity, He's going to whack me off even still. Now this is disturbing. This is not in keeping with let not your heart be troubled. This is not in keeping with, with peace I leave to you. My peace I give to you. So what's going on here? Let's talk about this process of, of pruning. This process of pruning. I talked a little bit about, about uh, uh, pruning vines last week. Talked about how especially so many of you are very good at pruning your tomato plants. Well, you know, those little sucker shoots that come up very quickly, you have to pinch or clip those off because they will they'll pull all of the nutrient out of the vine, but they're not going to produce anything. And so there is a sense where the good vine dresser has to remove some of those sucker shoots that are just going to, they're never going to produce fruit. They're just going to suck the nutrients out of the vine and produce leaves and all kinds of foliage, but they're never, ever going to produce fruit. The vine dresser is interested in fruit. And so he knows this particular branch is not going to bear fruit. So what does he do? He, he clips that off, a little sucker shoot off, Okay. So now that's something that comes right out of the, the horticulture, right out of the, the, what the vine dresser does. But pruning, when you cut back massive parts of the plant, that's something you never do in growing season. You do that after the growing season is over. Had a lot of rain this week, and we finally had <clears throat> a, a pretty day, and I, I went outside and was cleaning up all of the debris that had fallen from the big wind and everything we had. And my wife says, well, now, while you're out there, do some pruning. Okay. Well, now, you've got to be careful. I usually prune with my Husqvarna chainsaw. You know, you know she, she says, now, really, let me remind you how to do this. Okay. And so I get my instructions, and I'm out there, you know, pruning and, and pruning all of these different... And, and I'm thinking about this sermon. All of these plants are dry. They're, they're, all of their nutrients have pulled back down very closely into the ground. It's going to be spring before all of this starts slowing back up. And so because these branches are, are so brittle, you can almost just break them off, I can sit and prune, 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 cut, 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 cut. And it's not hurting the plant because this is, this is dead wood. You don't prune that away, it can cause disease. Insects have a place to come and burrow in. So you have to trim all that away to where then you have the fresh, fresh shoots that will come out during the spring. You're not killing the plant. You're not even killing the branches. You're certainly not killing the vine. You're removing away excess things that are not needed to prepare for fresh growth. And it's not hurting because this is all dead wood in essence. So we need to understand in this picture of horticulture that this cutting off right down close to the nub is not something that is done when the plant is in production mode. It's something that is done later when it's in its dormant mode. So what is it still saying? And This is the troubling part. This is the bad news. The troubling part is if you're not producing fruit, if people can't see the character of Christ in you, you're not winning other people to faith in Christ. If you're not being transformed, the divine dresser says, hmm, that ain't ever going to amount to anything. Cut it off. And throw you into the pile to be burned. And we know what that means in Christian circles, right? Okay. And then, then he comes along and he says, well, here's one, you know, growing pretty well. And, 
got a little cluster here and a little cluster here, whatever, but that's not near as much as I want. Whack, cut it off, throw it in the fire. Does any of you have difficulty with that? Does it sit kind of uncomfortably on your chest? Does it not feel like it's quite the character of Christ? Yeah. Now, let's move to the good news. Let's move to the primary definition of this word. And, and then when we read, it says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. He lifts up. It's, it's fallen down. And it's not productive. What does he do? He lifts it up. He winds it into the trellis or into the, uh, the wires or the rope around. Why? Because he can get it up to where it can get the sunshine, it can get the nutrients, and it can begin to bear fruit. Now Jesus said, I don't want your hearts to be troubled. I want you to receive peace. I'm going away and I'm not going to be with you, but I'm going to send another comforter. And I want you to know, when you fall down in this world, I'm not going to come by and lop you off. I'm going to lift you up. Anybody want to say hallelujah right there? I, I'm going to lift you up. I'm not going to leave you down in the dirt to where the world can walk all over you. I'm going to lift you up so that you can bear fruit. And, and then, then, go on a little further with me. It, it says right here, and you take in verse 2, every branch that is not... Bear fruit, I, I lift up. And every branch that bears fruit, I'm going to, not prune, cleanse. That's the primary definition of the word. I'm going to cleanse. I'm going to lift this up. I'm going to lift this branch up. And I'm going to clean it. I, and then he goes on to say, and, and right here, you are already clean because of the word that I've given you. He cleanses us with his word. Isn't that amazing? So what he's saying is, when, when you stumble and fall, and you're not producing the way you should. And maybe you're not got any, any production going on in your life whatsoever. Here along comes Jesus, not cutting you off and throwing you in the fire, but lifting you up, getting you back into the trellis, getting you back into the church, getting you back into the faith, getting you back into your devotions and your precious time with God. And through the Word of God, cleansing you and making it to where you can be productive again. Now, I don't know about you, but that's good news. That sounds like the character of Christ operating in my life and in yours. Now listen, let me pause a moment and just ask a question. Do we have to choose between these two? Not necessarily. Because there is a sense where God has some serious pruning that He does in our lives. He does. There, there are things in our lives that He cuts away. When you and I come to faith in Jesus Christ, one of the first things he does is some serious pruning. What does he cut away? He cuts away our sins. He takes all of our sins away because he's covered them with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's already received the ultimate punishment for those. And so he removes those from us. You don't have to worry about sin. But one thing we do have to worry about is we still have that old sin nature. We still have that old habit of this is the way we've always done things. This is the way we've done life. And so what God does have to do is he says, now, wait a minute now. You're alive in me, but there's some changes that need to happen here in your life. There's some old habits that we're going to need to get a hold of and we're going to need to remove. There, there are some old patterns of doing things that we're going to need to restore. There, there's some, some old pain in your life 
that we need to bring healing and wholeness to. And so because of that, there's some, there's some pruning that has to be done. All right? And then by the, same note, by the same notion, the other definition is true. Look, once you come to faith in Christ, all of our sins are indeed cleansed and washed away. But when you and I go through life, when you and I go through life, we're going to get hurt and we're going to hurt others. We're going to make mistakes. Other going to, people are going to make mistakes that hurt us. And when that happens, we need to rush to the Lord and we need to receive the cleansing that He has to offer. He needs to lift us back up when we've backslidden and gotten away from things and wrap us back up into His church, wrap us back up into the trellis of who He is. So both of these definitions are true. But I want you to see it in the context of let not your heart be troubled. Peace I give to you. I don't want you to worry in the least bit that if you're not as productive as you feel God might want you to be, that He doesn't love you. That He's not concerned about you. That He's going to come along and whap you off and chunk you into a fire. That's not the nature, that's not the character of our Lord Jesus Christ. His character is to do only what's best for the vine and only what's best for the branches. Because it's His vine, His Son, and it's His branches, those who are in Christ, whom He loves, but whom also He will chasten. I don't know about you, but I've had times in my life that God has had to do some major pruning. Okay? And it may be that He's in the process of doing that with you today. It might be today, even as you're here, that you know the hand of a loving God is on you, pruning some things out of your life that really, really, really are sapping your strength, and keeping you from being the productive, happy, joyous Christian that you can be. God loves you too much to let those suckers be dragging all of the, the energy and all of the life flow out of your body and producing nothing. He, he's, he's done that in my life. Folks, my life when I came up, I, I came up addicted. I wasn't addicted to heroin. I wasn't addicted to alcohol. But my addiction was performance-based acceptance syndrome. My addiction was in pleasing people. And I have learned from my mother how to do that. How to do it as a chameleon. How to do it as a liar. How to do it as pretending to be whatever it was that you wanted or need. And I could pretend to be that in your life. And then you would accept me. And, and tell you whatever you needed to hear because that's what I needed for you to accept me. The worst thing that would happen is for you not to accept me. And this is the way I grew up. This is from my tiniest on. And, and then in my teens, it flourished even stronger. And then, then I came to faith in Christ. And I found that, that God loved me. And that He gave His Son for me and I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. But then I read some passages like this that said, but see, if you don't keep on towing the line, if you don't keep on producing, you're out of here. And it just reinforced that performance-based acceptance syndrome that I had in my heart. And it continued to poison me. It continued to sap my very life energy out of me. Because I don't know if you've learned this or not, but a pastor or a minister can never do enough. They can never do enough 
to satisfy themselves or to satisfy their people. Somebody's going to fall through the crack. Somebody's going to get sick at a time that the pastor is sick or whatever the case may be. And, and across the board, I can speak for all ministers everywhere, all of us labor under the absolute dread that we're not doing enough for our people. That's a way you can put a guilt trip on a pastor in a heartbeat. Okay, But when you have a toxic understanding of yourself the way I did, then you can't just simply say, well, those expectations may be unrealistic or whatever. No. It's a dagger to the chest and a twist of the knife. Okay? Because what you get your acceptance from, what you get your worth from, what you get your value as an individual from is the acceptance of the people that you hold to be important. And this was sapping me and ruining so many of my relationships. And so God had to work with me through some godly counsel and some wonderful folks to understand some balance in my life. To understand that God's acceptance of me was not tied to my performance. His love for me was not tied to my productivity. His love for me was constant and unchanging and could not be altered. Now, when I began to find out that I was accepted in the Beloved, when I come to understand that my worth and my value was simply because I was a child of God and, and no longer a child of the devil, then, whew, can I tell you the relief that was? Now, that doesn't take away that old way of thinking. I'm still in my heart. When I can't please you, when I can't satisfy you, it crushes me. But I have learned to not let people have that as a weapon that they can use against me. Because God won't even use that as a weapon against me. He had to, he had to remove that. Through some of the things that came up in my life, I found myself really, really, really not trusting people. I'd had too many people put a knife in my back. Too many people walk out on me that I thought would always be there. Always be there. And as they walked out of my life, I said in my own flesh, I'll never trust another human being. Been there? Ever been there? I'll never trust another human being. And so I didn't. I lived in my own isolated little world and keeping people well pushed away. Because, you know, if you dare to care about people, if you dare to love people, then they may hurt you. Again and again and again. And that's a bad way to live, folks. So the lover of my soul came along and he began to prune some of that away. And say, Fred, not all people are going to be like those people were. Dare to trust people. But God, if I, if I trust them, they may sincerely hurt me. They may turn against me. They may put the knife in my back again. And he said, yeah, yeah, they may. They may. But you can't live as an island all by yourself. You've got to be trusting. And will you be hurt? Yes. Because love does, love's a risk. 
Caring for people is a risk. When you choose to care for people and try to enter in and help them, there's a risk. You know, I, I, I tried to help and rescue a dog one time. <laughs> I tried to give him something to eat. He got my hand bit. Okay? Yeah. That can happen when you try to reach out to people who are hurting. Because, you know, hurt people hurt people. Can I say that again? Some of you missed it. Hurt people hurt people. And if you're going to be in the business of trying to help people who are hurting, then you're going to get bit. Another thing, let me tell you one more thing as I'm trying to be transparent with you. I had a deep, deep spirit of unforgiveness. And the Bible tells us that an unforgiving spirit can spring up and it can defile so many people. And there was so much hatred in me. So much pent up rage in me. I wanted to strike out at the world. And that is the way I handled things in those early days. But what he showed me was, you've got to release that to me. You've got to let me prune that unforgiving spirit. You've got to let me take that away. And when heartache comes in your life, you deal with the matter, you bring it before me, and you release. You release that person. That's hard, folks. It's been hard in recent days in my life. But I want to tell you, the peace that has come when I've allowed the Lord to prune that crazy unforgiving spirit before it gets started to grow and get deep roots and start defiling all over again. I wouldn't trade that peace for anything, folks. Some of the pruning is easy. You don't know you need that. Some of the pruning is hard. I've had relationships in my life over the years People that I've grown close to and that I've trusted and I've been very close to and sought to walk through all kinds of life's issues with them. And then I have found that that individual is literally sapping the life out of me. Sapping the very life out of me. And God's had to say, I need to prune back a little bit. I need to prune back a little bit. You can't let that person dominate your life because it's costing your relationship with me. It's taking time from your family. It's pain that just won't go away. And so I've had to just say, Lord, I can't live that way. And neither can they. I've got to step back. Got to step back. Some things I've just got to let What's going on in your life? What's going on in your heart? What are some of the things that a loving vine dresser comes to you as his precious branch that's growing out of the vine? What is he coming to you to say? This is sapping your strength. This is allowing infection to grow. This is taking all of the joy away. This is hurting you so very deeply. 
It's time to let the, let the vine dresser have his work. It's time to let the Lord do some pruning. Lord, I want you to take anything out of my life that is sapping my spiritual energy where I can't love you and can't serve you. I want you to take anything out of my life that is really causing me no harm, that's keeping me from being productive for you. Will you do that? Will you take a few moments this morning and just join me in saying, God, I don't want anything that is going to separate me from you. I don't want anything that's going to suck the spiritual energy out of my life to where I can't be on call for you. I want to be your child. I want you to be my vine dresser. Will you bow your heads with me? Let's do business with God. Holy Spirit, as I bow here before you today, I have to bow like everybody else does and say, I've been hurt. The wounds are deep and some of them are still bleeding. But Lord, I can't hold on to an unforgiving spirit. I can't hold on to anger and rage. I can't be consumed. Lord, there's some relationships in our lives. They're not producing fruit. They're sapping us of all of our energy. We have to step back and listen to you as you seek to prune in our lives. Father, what is it in our life right now what is it in our heart right now that you're wanting to remove for your glory and our benefit? Right now, Lord, we need to give it to you. Some of us, Lord, need to come to the altar right here and just bow down and open our hands to you and say, Lord, here it is. Here is that hurt or here is that disappointment or here is that relationship, or whatever is here, and hold it before you with open hands so you can do your wonderful work in us. Some, Lord, here today, and they want to make their public profession of faith in Christ. Others are here and want to unite with our fellowship. Others want to come to the altar and pray about other things. So right now, Holy Spirit, I ask for you to just come in your power and do what only you do. I ask in Christ's name. Amen.